официальная, эти русские революции должна будет... Если немцы хотят не истребить ли войну, они ее получат. La lucha armada es el único camino para la liberación. Patria o muerte. Ayer estuvo el diablo aquí, huele a sufre todavía. And the cheap labor taken out of these countries, these countries are not underdeveloped, they're overexploited. You're listening to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio with me, your co-host and comrade Shibby. And we've also got a special host of the show today. Do you want to introduce yourself for the comrades, Max? Hey, everybody. My name is Max. I'm hosting today's episode because I am part of the prisoner support team for Palestine Action. Palestine Action, if you're familiar at all with the show, you'll know, is the UK's leading anti-imperialist direct action network. We have been waging a three-year struggle against the Israeli weapons trade and all that it represents. And what it represents is the pointy end of Western empire. Israeli drones, which are manufactured at eight different sites in the UK, it used to be 10 sites, but Palestine Action has forced the closure of two of them in no small part due to the efforts of people like your comrade Shibi. And uh, I'm here to talk about how we can support the brave Palestine Action members who are currently behind bars, state repression. Uh, it's no surprise that state repression in the UK has gotten to the point where they are locking up Palestine Action, even though we've never hurt a soul, though we have successfully smashed up many a factory, which I hope to talk about too. But yeah, I mean, this episode, as Shibi can attest, was conceived of as I was supporting Shibi while he was inside. And I was hoping uh, that we could talk a little about your experience, both as a Palestine action and also as a Palestine action prisoner. Thank you so much for that introduction there. And thank you so much for the work that you do. It's a shame that it is truly like most things. Until these things happen to you, you don't realize how important it is. And that's certainly been my case when it comes to prison support. Having been a prisoner now, which is what we're going to talk more about in this episode. And also on Max there, I'd like to say thank you for that help. Obviously, you know, because we spoke since then, like how much it means to me. And it was super crucial. And it made me feel like, although it was wrong for me to have been remanded and held in custody, it's good to know that I wasn't doing these things in isolation. It was for Palestine. It was against complicity in Britain with imperialism, colonialism. And, you know, as a Marxist, as a communist, we talk about seizing the means of production. There's no productions better to be seized than the means of destruction. That is the means of production that produce weapons. I've always said that it was a privilege and an honor 
to serve Palestine action in that capacity. And it's a damn shame that having done that, of being roped into a conspiracy to cause criminal damage. But I also didn't want to squander that opportunity. I also, I sincerely feel like I coped in prison better than most. And the reason for that was because I've read a lot of Marxist prisoner literature, and that is to say human beings who were Marxist, they were historical materialists. They broke down liberalism, they could work around it and come to con- correct conclusions within prison. And talking, obviously, Huey P. Newton, Ed Mead, you know, most of the Black Panthers. George Jackson, of course. Yeah, George. Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, you know, there's so much incredible Marxist writing out there, but the one that I always most strongly relate to is uh, lumpen writing by people who are inside. And like the, um, I was getting the same feeling. And I, I don't mean to like uh, embarrass you, but like one of the reasons I'm so excited to be on this. Uh, episode of these because when I was reading your prison diaries and I just want to make clear to our listeners today that like I was getting physical letters sent through the jail and then through the British post to me from you and I was reading it and I was like the amount of critical knowledge and like beautiful love you have for all of the people inside that you're dispensing in these diaries I can't recommend them highly enough and it makes me feel crazy to think that a person of your caliber and a brain of your caliber can be locked up by our state. It just makes everything feel like we have to smash it sooner. And another point I want to uh, sort of feed off of is you were just talking about the importance of seizing the means of production and and the most important one being maybe the weapons industry. But um, one of the things that really jumped out of from your diaries was uh, the means of production inside and how uh, the prison industry is something that we as a movement need to make a priority about seizing because private prisons in the UK are, are running amok. Uh, you talked so plangently about the overcrowded and just horrible conditions. I want to ask you, I want to sort of start at the beginning. You are arrested again for conspiracy to commit criminal damage against a Israeli weapons company. Is that right? Yeah, that's subsidiary. And so what happened? They took you to the police station? I literally got fucking woke up by armed police coming through a hotel door while I was fucking in bed and I sleep naked. So I was like, let me put some clothes on. (laughs) She was like, go on. So I put some clothes on and uh, and he was like, take me outside. He said, what's your name? I said, you're not getting me name. I'll give it in the police station. And he said, it doesn't make a difference where you give it in. And I said, if it doesn't make a difference, I'll give it in the police station. So basically what happened was this police officer didn't know my name for the whole time. I'm not going to give him intelligence on me so that he can go back to his fucking boss and then say, oh, look, I got his name. I got him to say this. I got him to say that. You know what I mean? And like they'll try and do with anything and then they'll try and rope you into anything. So I never done it. But then this other busy's come over and then said, you know, my, my real name in full name and then said CID. So it was like, CID's been on the phone to them 
and then like they'll just come and fucking grab me in a fucking hotel because I've just been fucking nearby. It's important to say to everybody that you were arrested with no evidence connecting you to any crime whatsoever. You just happened to be in the area and that was enough for the British state to not just arrest you, but hold you for multiple weeks. Isn't that right? Yeah, so so what happened, yeah, it was basically end up in fucking custody. I talk about this in the diary, where it's what, like, the police cells like and the food conditions and that. I was eating a fucking lot. I was eating as much as possible because they frequently f- open the slots in the doors when you're in the cell and, like, the light's pretty much always on and it's always light. So you can't really sleep in them cells. So whenever they open it up to, like, wake you up because, like, they don't like you sleeping. I'd always ask for food. And so I was like having loads of hot chocolates in there. It's so interesting because to your listeners, I, just, I was once arrested under suspicion of committing criminal damage against a Israeli weapons company uh, in the UK. And to my un, unending surprise, given my experience in US jails, where I'm from, they're, they're, they really go out of their way to offer you hot chocolate and food anytime. Like, I was offered hot cups of noodles and and hot chocolate as as much as I could drink, and I, and my first instinct was to be like, no, no, I don't, I don't trust you guys. I don't want to, I don't want to, like my, you know, like I we've been trained to like refuse like any sort of pleasantry from these people because we know that it's attached to some stick that they're going to try and beat you with, but. What I got from your prison diaries is you knew what was coming in jail, uh, in, in actual prison. And on the off chance that you weren't getting out, these might be the last few, few hot chocolates you were getting for some time. And that turned out to be correct, right? Yeah. So it's like they only give you them hot chocolates and that so that if you act out in a way that they don't like, they can say, oh, what's wrong? We gave you food, we gave you drink, and then they'll hold up because at the end of the day, so many things are to do with law, aren't they? Which means like if they don't do something correct, they're open to being sued. You know what I mean? So all these positive things are not really there to be positive. They'll probably to look better on the international world stage compared to like other bourgeois dictatorships throughout Europe but it's also to like stop people from getting angry and kicking doors and then like you know starting fights with staff as well I always see that you know what I mean I expected to get out on bail because like I literally never done nothing as I was eating all that food just because I was like half bulking you know what I mean I was going to the gym so uh, I was having the calories and then like it's just like 12 hours gone by I'm like what the fuck in that and then I goes to like this fucking chief constable who was talking about in the diaries and he basically says oh, I'm keeping you here for another 6 hours because they've just been arrested at this point I think this is 12 hours in actually or no it was actually towards the end they've just been arrested so we're going to keep you here in case they say anything about you while they're being interviewed about, like, obviously what happened in that. Obviously, there would be no comments anyway, so there's no need to keep me. So I just want to make sure everyone, like, this is a really cool story. Like, what's happening, right, is, like, sh- like, like Palestine actionists were smashing up so like and I want to like I can't I want to like sort of make everyone understand. And when I say smashing up, I mean literally with hammers smashing an Israeli weapons company. And 
Shibi is being told as he's in jail that they have to wait until the the comrades up on the roof finish getting arrested, finish smashing up the factory before they can even consider letting Shibi go on the off chance that they might offer some incriminating evidence. So I can understand why it might be both frustrating to hear that you're being held for another six hours. But on the other hand, it must be fun to think about two dudes up on the roof with hammers in their hand going to town on a factory. Yeah, obviously, it's important to document all this. And I don't want to go off on a tangent. But like you can see the earliest people who ever done Palestine action go out to do similar things and then just not even get arrested. You know what I mean? That's what it was like at one point. Or they'd get bail instantly or sometimes they wouldn't even have bail after like throwing fucking bricks at fucking weapon factory, shutting it down for a couple of days after camping on a roof. That's like loss of profit, isn't it? So this is what's happened over time and Albert if like they were scared to go to court and face everybody because of what could be said. And then they started doing conspiracy to cause criminal damage because you kind of got less defences when it comes down to like causing damage so that you can prevent injury or death of others. They're just trying new seedy things all the time to change. And you can, and like if you follow Pal Action, you see how the CPS is change the course and then you see actionists get arrested you see some be remanded for extensive periods of time obviously it is just pure fascism it's the state as in the police the cps people gathering evidence so that these private fascist corporations can continue to incorporate itself in the state at a military level and even an ideological fucking colonial fucking level where Israel is just an extension of British and US imperialism anyway. Right. It's I, I mean I couldn't agree with that enough. So all these things again I didn't want to go off on a tangent, but like yeah, that's, yeah. I'll, it's, I'll, it's, I'll it's important back. to document that. That's why I say totally. it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's important. One of the points you just made I really want to underscore, which is that basically the British criminal prosecution service, the, the CPS, is colluding uh, and working to benefit a foreign state, Israel, a colonial, it's, or, or, you know, another way of putting this is we in the imperial core are being persecuted at the behest of the colonial project. And it's, uh, it's like, it's stark to think about because um, you didn't, it wasn't just jail that you got. Um, after... 48 hours of being in the cop shop, they took you back into court and then told you that that you were going to be remanded, right? Yeah, that was a fucking shocker. So you were expecting to be home. Yeah, I mean, it's so Uh, fucked up. uh, I remember when the magistrates went in the back room and then like we went in this like cell room, we called defendants and then... um, just waiting on the decision basically after hearing why we, sh- we why we should be granted bail, why we shouldn't go to prison and be remanded. And like, I was just pacing like, like, what the fuck? Basically got remanded. That was a shocker. Um, but again, brings me back to how, how I started was I could cope better than most, I think, because I've, I've read these revolutionaries who have been in prison. And I sort of knew what to expect. And it is a lot better than the US, as you said earlier. The conditions are much better. But, you know, that hunger 
and that ego, that individualism from liberalism is in the prisoners' minds. The insecurities, people in prison for years. Some people just think, what have I got to fucking lose, mate? Can I ask you to talk about one of the things you write about in your diary, which I think is is, uh, really interesting and also on point. When you were in the paddy wagon, when you were being sort of, when you had the opportunity to be like at mealtime or with the other prisoners, like one, I guess, just roughly what were other people that you're seeing locked up for? And two, like, how did they respond when they found out that you were in for political crimes? You're just in a convert. It's like what you think to be a converted horse transport van, but like it's got rooms for like humans then, and you just sit down. And it sounds, I mean, that sounds funny, but it's also important to just like recognize that like a private corporation is making money off of the your being transported as uncomfortably as possible. I don't know whether it's because. We were talking a little bit about politics or first, but like that got brought out by one of the lads who who was in the paddy wagon because he got nicked with like uh, armed robbery. Yeah, I fucking arm. Yeah, he was in there for armed robbery, and then so it was somebody else as well. Just like so, they just said their stories, what happened in there. And then, like, well, 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 like the police was chasing them for a few days, and in the end, they just like fucking gave themselves in because fucking everybody's house is being raided that they knew. And then there was like in the paddy wagon when we were talking about politics, we were saying if we can't do the time, don't do the lead crime. Free, free Palestine. So we were talking about it and then like obviously I hadn't been on the roof but people who had were on the paddy wagon and they were talking about what happened and why it targeted them. But like that site, that site is actually very popular to locals, like people in Newcastle and that. Apparently had a tank outside in, in its car park a few years back before perhaps it was bought by Elbe. And it's just a well-known place. But, like, whenever you're face-to-face with lads who just, like, just being, like, have to, had to be grafters or scrappers and, like, fight. Whenever you're talking to them type of lads, yeah, and you're just saying, when on a weapons factory where they, like, kill innocent people and then make fortunes for billionaires to manipulate and control virtually every aspect of a life, we just went there and did it, shut it down, and all these other places have been shutting down. That's just like the sickest thing ever. Like nobody, nobody can say nothing to that. Otherwise, to be a coward, you know what I mean. I tell you what, my padmate. I mean, bear in mind when you're in jail, you've got a cell, and you're always sharing it with like at least one person. But my padmate, he was in there because his girlfriend stole his dog. He's got a fucking tattoo of his dog on his hand. So he's obviously went take. He went round to family members' houses and smashed all the windows in and, like, smashed the car's windows in and fucked it up with a machete in there. You know what I mean? That's like a domestic. But, like, that was the lad who was my padmate. And, like, when I'm talking about Palestine action, he said, fuck. He said, look, at least... 
you're in here for that. He said, I'm in here because I fucking flipped a lid, smashed fucking girlfriend's fucking family's fucking windows. And he said, and now I'm in here for years. And he was sincerely, genuinely, actually sorry. Yeah, I mean, as abolitionists, we don't need to say, like, all state violence is completely unacceptable, and we need to free not just political prisoners, but all prisoners. And that's, it's like, a man who loves his dog, it's like, it's crazy, right? It's like, that man should definitely not be in jail. But I also just want to, like, in your diary, you write this incredible line, which is just like how... People like like everyone you talk to in prison, and like I think it's important for maybe to clarify for your listeners um, what makes prisoners uh, lumpen, right? I think you say in your diaries, lumpen is far more revolutionarily inclined uh, than the uh, conservative working class. And I think that's such a beautiful point. I was hoping, I just wanted you to like riff on that a little bit. I was just hoping that you could expand on this point a little bit because I think it's both like fascinating and I think it's really uh, an excellent window into sort of explaining the relationship between or the revolutionary potential of the poor, the despised, the imprisoned. Uh, the, the those whose society truly discards. Okay, certainly can do. First of all, I categorise the prisoner as lumpen proletariat because we class the proletariat as people who can sell their labour to a capitalist, and like we put people into different classes depending on their relation to the means of production, or you know the economy or capital, that is what determines somebody, somebody's class. If somebody is more affluent, you genuinely think of them as middle class. If somebody's poor as shit, then they might happen to be on universal credits and unemployed. You know, that's ultimately like what Marxists go with. So prisoners are lumpen proletariat because they don't sell their labour to a capitalist, unlike the regular proletariat, the working class. But this is what I learned, there's the pig class as well, which is actually workers within prisons who work for like £1.70 a day. And some of the jobs can even include, I saw when I done the careers course, which is a few math and English tests, I saw that you can have a job for the Ministry of Defence with the camouflage nets. Can you imagine me doing that? No way. I mean, on the other hand, maybe you could talk about just like how if you are a smoker, for instance, you start 20 days in the hole is one of the things you t- uh, you mentioned, I think, in the, the fourth diary. I'll just kind of expand more on like the pig class because that audience around like a work and that work gives people more money and they can do more with that because they can convert material commodities into like social use value so that would be the use to smoke a fucking vape for example and it's essentially like a legal drug in there it is essentially just a legal drug that you can buy in prison and 
when I went into prison, they ask you if you want a, a smoker, if you're a smoker or you want like a tea and coffee pack. So I was like, I'll take a fucking smoker's pack. Let's fucking go. It turned out it was a vape with three cartridges that you can put on. And you cannot buy this vape outside, but I think it's the best one ever. Like it genuinely is super smooth and so convenient with the cartridges. But you cannot buy them outside because... This private company has got a monopoly on this whole vape system. You thought I was going to talk about like lower level, small selling vapes. I will because people are selling the dinner for a vape cartridge. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God. But then you've got these absolute like monopoly capitalists who are selling the vapes to the entire prison industrial fucking complex in Britain for no other reason than the government probably banned smoking. He thought, oh, we need to do the prisons. Then fucking these pens come around. I mean, we live in a country, right? We live in a country where COVID lockdowns mean a massive wealth transfer from the working poor to uh, the billionaire friends of Tory politicians. And this is not like... Uh, that's not an exaggeration. It's and we like when that level of usury and avarice on the part of politicians. It's easy to imagine the lobbying efforts of of, of this vape company to be like make an exception to this no smoking rule in all HMPs and give us the exclusive rights. We'll give you a kickback. We'll give you a cut. The same thing with the fake PPE equipment. You can imagine. You can imagine these. Like these same vape companies, like wine, make more things illegal in this country. So they have more prisoners to profit off of and sell more vapes to. You know, it's like the private prison industry every day comes up with a new way, uh, a new reason for us to destroy it uh, as soon as possible. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Amen, amen. Absolutely correct, comrade. And talk about trickle-down economy. <laughs> um, never mind the wealth flipping up. The trickle-down economy looks like this. So you've got these pig workers who are earning more. They can obviously buy a lot more vapes, and these cartridges are only a pound. And like, even if you're a heavy smoker, they can they can last you a day. You know what I mean? If you take the piss, then you're getting half of one. But like it's like a pound, and it's, you work it out, it's like a seven pounds a week. And if you're a smoker, that's you smoking. So anyway, I could come into prison, get us vape pack. That was fucking like £12, something that comes out automatically. Like I never even needed money to have that. Because in prison you get 50p a day and you, you can do that to put towards a canteen. It's, it's no good, 50p a day. It's scandalous. You cannot get enough money quick enough to buy anything of any use. So you know what I mean? And so can I just ask a, like a, a practical question? Like... Your first day in, and this is something anybody can do. Um, your first day in, the first day they said that you were a non, like you were issued a prison number. I uh, transferred you twenty five pounds, uh, just so you would have some money for the canteen or the phone. How long did it take that money to get there? Like within hours of your lawyer say, like like. Saying you've been remanded, I had put this money in the account. And I was just wondering how long it took to get to you. I mean, from my memory, I don't think I had money for like at least at least the first week. Like, I know that I, I saw the money in my canteen, 
on the day that I got that letter, but I didn't get any letters for like at least a week first because nobody knew my prison number. Yeah, it was fucked. It was um, like truly Kafka-esque the way they can conveniently lose vital information about you. Thanks so much. Like, I, again, I, p- I put some of that onto the phone because the phone cost a fortune to phone people. BT again, they could like they don't another need- another company profiteering off of. They do not need to have phones in anybody's houses. Like they're making enough money off prison phone calls alone to sustain a fucking billion fucking pound enterprise. Let me fucking tell you the money they must fucking make of people. There's people in there who spend like hundreds of pounds, you know what I mean? Just on like fucking calls. So I got a few minutes with the money you sent me. I think I got some mackerel because there was no protein about. And again, I was trying to bulk as well. And you're also, like, fighting legitimate, like, horrific-sounding sickness. They're not, like, when was the, like, how long had you been in jail before they gave you your first change of clothes? Oh, it was like I was literally on the verge of hunger strike. Like, I'd already planned it out. I'd already seen two out of three people, you know what I mean? And, like, the last person was was the um, the CEO of the of the wing because I'd asked fucking two screws in there. They palmed me off. One of them said, oh, I've just fucking come upstairs. And it's like, fucking do your job. And, and then, like, so this CEO, I went to see him and then he palmed me off to somebody else, right? And because he palmed me off, on me fucking, like, my hunger site demands, I was going to, like, name these people so that they knew themselves, they had the opportunity to prevent this. Do you know what I mean? And he knew because he was the boss. When I come in, he had the opportunity to prevent this. So basically, like, he pointed me to the right fucking man in the end. But it literally took me, again, I'm sure it was at least a week, eight, nine days. And I was, like, in the same clothes this whole time. Sweaty socks and that. Yeah, it's like, um, I think should be... Uh... I want you to answer this question again, but pretend like your listeners haven't read the diaries. Like you get in on the first day wearing the, like like this same pair of pants and the same shirt. How long you can't uh, wash the clothes because then you have nothing to wear and you can't, you don't have a change of clothes. So you're just like, what, how long does it take before you start feeling really sick? I think I got to change of clothes on like day nine or something. Oh my God. And that's common, right? That's for every prisoner. That was for like mm. each of the 14 people who came in with you that day, right? Yeah. If you didn't know you were going to get arrested and have a bag of clothes with you, you've got what you got on, on you. Yeah. I already had a prison jumping on me when I got nicked. Like I just had one from when I'd been nicked previously, but that was only in a jail, not a prison. And then I had like a pair of pants that I couldn't wear because there was black patches on it. So you don't let you wear anything that's black, even though they let some people wear black. And then, um, so I got them, took off me, got jail pants. And I only had another prison jumper because my T-shirt was black. So I only had this prison jumper, my fucking boxies, my pair of socks and these prison pants. And it was scorching. It's, it's hot. You know what I mean? It's dead hot. We're on the top fucking floor, like the third fucking level of this fucking E-wing. 
so it's so hot and it was like that for about seven eight. i remember i got sick on the day that i got the clothes because i remember it started sweating profusely the very first day i get me fresh clothes i'm sweating in them because i'm sick you're coughing up blood at a certain point oh yeah i was coughing up blood i was i spewed it like i've, I've never been sick like that but i mean i was i was feeling sorry for myself you know my padme got it as well after me and he was sick for like three days but like only about 30 percent of what i was like i was like there was snot constantly coming out my nose and like i had no energy and and like so the only so you get fed half 11 ish and like half four ish so you just go down you put cell door opens you go down get your fucking dinner on your plates go straight back to your cell cell door closed but like obviously nobody tells you nothing so there's like somebody that you can see when you're going to get your dinner and like they're not there sometimes and you can get tablets off them if you like prescribe to them if not i could only get paracetamol so just paracetamol is, is gonna do fuck all for a cold but, but like when i'm asking for fucking help um, well basically me fucking bad mate press the fucking emergency button on a fucking cell we risk getting knocked down to basic so we could spend less and risk and getting his telly took off him pressing that buzzer to try and get me helping that that's how fucking thick i was you know and then um in the end they just said you had to see the fucking nurse half 12 the next day and it was like oh look i swear to god just getting that paracetamol i was so sick but um Padme said that he got sick in a similar way the first time he was in and he never had it again even though he did end up getting it again actually it's like so like i mean like this is really important you're just sweating you're just in dirty clothes bed sheets fucking soggy and that i mean i my bed sheet was fucking dirty and that because i had a fucking wet dream and that you know what i mean man's hormones were all over the place and i couldn't even clean that shit I think this is really important. I think this is really important, like testimony or evidence. Like one of the things I love about your show is how you always get these incredible details out. It's like, sure, we can say that prison, we know right from data or it's like from like, uh, like the, from, from abstracts that UK prison privately run are, overcrowded disease-ridden hellholes but like until you actually hear about the first nine days from someone as articulate as you it doesn't really click for everybody and that's like i think it's really important to uh, like take a minute and think about not just you but like there are uh nine others right now uh in uk uh, jails who have taken action again UK excuse me UK prisons who have are, are uh, have been sentenced or are awaiting trial who languishing behind bars in similar ways simply for taking action against the apartheid settler colony it's one struggles for words to describe how fucked up the situation is and I appreciate I just want to take a minute to appreciate uh, your saying that you always find the words you do a phenomenal job of describing everything and and again that's why i'd love to thank you again because the listeners should know that you were actually willing to help out the podcast at some point 
So that would have been such a blessing for me to be able to continue this kind of work and inquiry in people's lives, but also it would have been better in so many ways as well. So I've always been fond of the idea of a Marxist prison culture, even though like I've never heard it said. I don't know if anybody's ever said it, but I've definitely felt it. And I do increasingly feel it the more I read from Marxist prisoners and the more I reflect on what happened and, and talk to others. I also know that other people's conclusions about the functions of the prison industrial complex can be added to a more finely tuned science. It's something that we can and should all build on to better identify the forces that oppress us. The way I see like Marxist consciousness is like, God, describing a fucking consciousness. It's like a fiber, right? And the more people write, the more people do practice, the more people experience things, the more Marxists, specifically historical materialists who are right enough from a liberal perspective to come from conclusions that would benefit the bourgeoisie, but like only conclusions that are truthful so that like they can be better used by people. I feel like all this theory that we're having in the past, like they're certain strands and th there was like enough of it. And, and it was that frequent that it could like contract and expand and it was like a muscle, do you know what I mean? And it worked and it got things done because there was so much physical elements of it. And like the theory was the fiber of it, like, you know, the sharing of socialist experience and revolutionary experiences was the true fiber of like Marx's struggle in that. But like, we don't have any of that today. So like prison experience has like told me how important it is to build on a Marxist prison culture to build on this strand of networks of different fibers that we can attach all around the planet and then get things done. It's definitely important for all Marxist prisoners or anti-imperialist prisoners, however you want to come say it. It's like, it's always important to be a guerrilla intellectual. So it's like, that's why you need a bit of personality as well. Cause you've got to speak to so many different types of people. You've got to believe in yourself. Or why would anybody believe in you if you're not even that confident to just speak to somebody as if they're just a person, which is what they are. And often the problem is they're not seen as just a person, the same as this image of like a criminal, nasty, you know, this and that. So it's important that Marxists who do go to prison, which I attempted at the time, is to become a guerrilla intellectual. Again, everybody I spoke to just loved what Palestine Action did because it's true guerrilla anti-imperialist work that has a material difference in the world. So it's also important, though, to talk more with the outside so that we can psychologically and materially support our prisoner comrades so that they can do the practice of being a member of the prisoner class. They've got no choice about being the prisoner class, but if they're going to practice it, we should at least comfort them and support them psychologically because it's literally the lowest thing that like the state can get away with <laughs> effectively. No, I mean, I think, like, I think you just made so many good points. Marxist or anti-imperialist prisoners should be guerrilla intellectuals essentially to radicalize other prisoners inside and get the support for prisoners outside like nobody 
can come to better conclusions on the prison industrial complex than dozens or hundreds or thousands of Marxist prisoners building on a stream of consciousness and culture that could outlive every last one of us. I just want to say that that's a beautiful thing. And like, it's not just, it's like uh, foundations have already been laid, right? From Attica to the Soledad brothers um, to slave result, uh, revolt, right? Like these, like uh, the, um, you know, like you can find these ideas in the Black Jacobins and in the Panther writings. I think it's, um, I think this is a really fascinating point. Yeah, I mean, the idea is to just literally say things how they are because so many people are just fed bullshit through liberalism and through the daily life, like who to like, who to hate, you know, what to do, what to not do. And we just need the truth. And then more like why are we told? who we should hate, who we shouldn't hate, why don't we do these things? If, like, for example, the importance of, like, educating, like, prisoners, or, like, not educating them, but, like, speaking to prisoners, is because, like, a lot of people who commit crimes and that, habitually, I mean, they're just not very well educated. And, like, for the first time in my life, and I was genuinely shocked at this, when I was getting the induction in prison, they were saying, look, guys, you know, this is a... If you um if you need any help reading it, don't be shy. There's plenty of lads in here who can't like read, and I was like, what? It was like the first time in my life I'd come across a situation where like somebody couldn't fucking read. I mean, that's the prisons for you. It's like, what good is a person who can't read and write to the dole or to a capitalist? Do you know what I mean? It's like, what are the fucking options that these people got? Back to a Marxist culture, though, I do feel like it's important and I think we should talk more or come to, like, some succinct way in which we can encourage others to network with our political prisoners. Through the Palestine Action website and all of our socials, our link tree, there are direct ways you can email prisoners and connect with specific prisoners or, you know, start a basic pen pal relationship word fielding and passing on literally dozens of emails a day right now. We're seeing an incredible outpouring of support from solidarity activists and comrades all around the world. And I just want to say that this is as important of house on action work as the sort of glorious anti-imperialist work that makes all the headlines. And we're nothing if we're not supporting our brave and vulnerable actionists who are inside. Yeah, truly undeniable. So what about people who desperately do want to start messaging, but they're a little bit shy, they've got writer's block? What do you think that they could possibly start off with? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, let me just put it this way. The private prison email company that charges me 10p a line like i mean you you don't need to be verbose in these letters you could just introduce yourself tell them your name tell them where you're from and tell them that you're with them and that's enough right like people are under no obligation to be eloquent or anything but like just like if you are 
available and have some time, you can really brighten someone's day. You can tell them about your day. You can tell them about what got you into Palestine, what got you into anti-imperialist struggle, and tell them why uh, what they're doing is inspiring, because it's truly the most cutting-edge, inspiring anti-imperialist action happening in the core, I believe. I think Israel's worldwide role in repression from the U.S.-Mexico border to the massacring of leftist Colombian students with Israeli-made drones to the drone regime executed against the Kashmiri people by the Modi regime. All of this would not be possible if it weren't for Israeli drones, Israeli drones being manufactured in the UK. So when you take action, when you cost that company money, you're doing the best thing you can, I mean, like the most brave thing being done right now. These people, it cannot be overstated how fucking sick Palestine actionists are and how important the work is. And what an incredible example and like what like possibility and consciousness expanding actions these people are taking. And I think the little things we can do, like throw a few dollars, excuse me, a few quid into their canteen. That's that accent shit that rears its head every once in a while. I'm sure you have the same thing where every once in a while you're making a really good point, but you say, (laughs) The, the the in my case very American in your case very Liverpoolian thing and people just look at you like what the fuck are you saying anyway through the Palestine Action website you can contribute directly to like the prison support funds and get some money and for phone time and the canteen for the, the the nine people currently locked up you can read more about their stories and uh what they've been convicted of. We obviously will like continue to raise awareness in, in all ways we can through our social media. So like any way you check in with us normally is a way that you can find out how to directly support the prisoners. Cool. I'll share a link on the podcast. Just to say, obviously I was in there, like I said, I don't think I got nothing for like at least a week. I was institutionalized at that point. Like, it didn't take me long to just accept that I was a fucking hamster in a cage and I, and I figured out how to spin around my wheel all day without thinking um, before long. That's why it took nine or something days to start writing letters. It might have took more just because I was getting my burdens at first. You know what I mean? I was getting to know my padmates. Just heard that he just smashed a load of shit up with machetes and that. I was trying to fucking make sure that we were cool, as you can imagine. I mean, it's not heavy, but like that's like not the worst no. scenario of a reason to completely blow your lid. When the letters started coming, I was like, obviously made up. Again, just a short note saying, hey, you're not alone, keep your head up, or something I'd say, rather than like, thank you, um, because it could be, like said, that is intense or whatever. So... A day where you had a letter versus a day that you never had a letter would be a good day. Absolutely. And I mean, we still have some people who were arrested the same day Shibi was, who are still in Durham prison. You know, it's like a, they're, they're a long way from home. Like, uh, so again, like we can 
get you in direct touch with them and really lighten the load somewhat for them. As should be said, I think one thing we constantly hear is how important these letters are. When we were in jail, he was the most optimistic that would get bail. And I was just like, I wouldn't even bother thinking about it just because I expected to be in there for years, just because I was on remand and these cases can take years. But, you know, this person was so determined that they were going to get bail and we were going to get bail and get out. And then I was in court today and I was looking at them like, and they were still on the inside. It was a sad sight. And yeah, we should definitely support them with some letters. Mm. Again, just those words, just showing them that they're not alone. It's building them fibers to make ourselves more powerful because we know what we need to do. Can I just, can I tell a quick story? It's a tangent and we might just cut it, but I was living in Louisiana and there was a brutal police shooting of an unarmed black man in Baton Rouge. And we were blocking the highway. It was like a shut it down protest. There we were kettle. There was like a mass arrest situation. And it was just my luck. I like ran into like a legitimate police psychopath who like later, this is not an exaggeration. He like later killed someone and was incarcerated himself. Like, like an actual nightmare of a Louisiana state trooper beat the living shit out of me at this protest. And so while all my friends were going to jail and getting like normally processed and stuff, like I was getting my head stitched back together. And then after my head, I got my, my after I got a hospital, like I went into the hospital in handcuffs. And after they released me, like I got like a CAT scan and stitches and shit in handcuffs. And then they took me to the jail like 15 hours later. Like, it just, like, took me a while to get all sorted out, you know? And my friends who had I, I had also gotten arrested but earlier, they had all been, like, fingerprinted and, like, given, like, barcode where, like, they would scan and, like, let everyone know where they were. And, like, they were in the system, you know what I mean? Like, like someone knew that they were there. But because I had been to the hospital, this is also, like, I was, like, like, concussed, and so I wasn't, like, thinking straight at the time. But, like... I remember, like, I can still remember spinning out and, like, getting, like, really, really stressed out and, like, like, the anxiety just sort of, like, doubling down on itself because, like, I, like, everyone else was, like, in the system and, like, knew when they were, like, going to have a hearing. It's just, like, well, what if they, like, what if they don't give me, like, my wristband until tomorrow morning and, like, I miss court and then I'm here for another day? Oh, I can handle that. I could handle another day. That's no problem. But what if it's just like the whole weekend? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can handle a whole weekend. No problem. Like, but what if they actually like forget about me? No one could forget about you. Yeah. You know, like, what if they just like never like ever like you know like people have been lost in Louisiana prisons before. That's like not an unheard of thing. Like, you, it's like you start to tell yourself crazy stories, and it's like it feels sort of like a form of of torture. It can be it feel like torture. And it's like, we don't know exactly when we're going to get all these people uh, who are inside right now. Some of them don't know when they're going to get out yeah. and it's really tough on them, but we do know how to reach them all. We do know what their numbers are and we can um, contact them and brighten their day a little. 
So, like, the point of this story is, like, it's uh, impossible to overstate how important connection with the outside is when you're locked up. And if you're, like, so inclined, you can really make a big difference in people's day. Yeah, definitely. That was, that was a fucked up story. Sorry that happened to you. It was obviously the striking point yeah, about not knowing when they get a note. And so many people, again, are remanded and you just do not know when they'll be out, like, at all. Do you know what I mean? And they're just in jail and you don't know. And you start playing these terrible games with yourself, like, 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 will I oh, still be yeah. the same person yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm here for another three weeks? Yeah, yeah, I'll still be the same cool guy I was three weeks ago. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like, like, I'll, like, it'll take me a few, a few while to get my groove back, but I'll, I'll be fine. But like, what if it's three months? Oh, three months! Damn, it might be really hard. Where's me? Where's me? It was two years. I was like, look, I expected to be here for years, but I was like, but if it was fucking longer than two years, no, I've, look, I'm, I'm going to be in a fucking bad way. Do you know what I mean? That was my threshold. If there's any pigs and bacon listening now and they're going to fucking give me longer just because I've said that, I'll fucking haunt you. <laughs> um, well, we're not going to let that happen. We'll go underground, but uh, that's a promise. <laughs> The thing about uh, your listeners is I'm sure they like also know all this shit already, too, and are just like sitting there with their fists raised and have already emailed. So like in many ways, I think it's just nice to be able to come to a place and talk about this shit in a real way and be on the exact same fucking page with someone. I mean, listen, this is really good fucking content and i was talking with the editor of mondo weiss whose name is phil weiss which is just like a uh, quick i don't know if you know this is like an, an american version of electronic intifada mm. you know? i was talking about maybe publishing parts of your diary and they're extremely interested so i don't know like um if you're interested in that but they have like an enormous reach uh, and it would be an interesting thing. And it would, I think it would, be, it would like be a good article for us to get placed. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. That would be freaking awesome. Yeah, I'd love to hear some positive responses from that. Great. Okay, everybody, we're going to wrap up the episode there. Thank you very much for listening. Of course, click the link in the show notes so that you can email our Palestine Action Prisoners and start building this culture so that it becomes as normal as protests and marching. Also, if you want to read the prison diaries, you can find them on Patreon, simply a dollar a month. Um, but we're also going to be releasing them for free um, once they get scanned. And also, it sounds like they'll be in a magazine where they'll be distributed as well. But for more bonus content to support me and my revolutionary life, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lumpenpodcast. Where can people find you, Max? I mean, I just would say follow Palestine Action on Instagram, Twitter. I'm part of the media team. Like, you'll see uh, our posts. Uh, our website uh, is updated all the time. And it's an important time to support Palestine Action. We have never had this level of state repression. We've never had this many people um, in jail before. I think um, if 
you're uh, able to support us now. Uh, now is the time. Um, and uh, please don't be shy. We're always happy to hear from you no matter where you are. Workers and lumpen of the world, unite. I'll be that Liverpool narrator, social commentator, socially commentating, what I say is verbatim, verbal stipulator, oral illustrator, orally illustrating, what they stipulating. Drugs rule everything around me, thugs making money, my man a man is ill y'all, ill y'all, pushes on my block, shot in rocks, this is real y'all, bitches sucking cocks for them rocks, yeah they real y'all, pussies on the corner with the fucking high heels on, pick em up, drop em off, yeah they ride real strong, crack addicts looking for other addicts to Steal from walking around wondering where they get their next meal from. Cokeheads on the red sniffing up their wages. Dealers on speed dial sucking all their papers. Still on the same number that they've had for fucking ages. Sim cards so old the logo's fucking faded. But turn it over when you see the gold nugget reflecting off the light that shines down above it. Unregistered chip, you gotta love it. Pairs you go so the feds don't bug it. Twitter for the streets if you want tweets. Eleven little digits. And the blow is all you need Tell me what's your poison They got everything from weed Up to methamphetamine Everybody follow me And join up to their anti-social network Database of smack coke and crack smoking experts Vatty they go out of business They no longer get work So anybody trying to fuck with it's gonna get hurt Liverpool narrator Social commentator Socially commentating What I say verbatim Verbal stipulator Oral illustrator Orally illustrating What they stipulating Are you sitting comfortably? Well put your seatbelts on Cause you're in for a howling ride Cause this is ill manners Where dark shit goes on at night I am the narrator Voice the guides the blind Following up with your ears but your mind And allow me to take you back on fourth through time To explain the significance of things you may think insignificant now But won't Further down the line Prisoner GF9093, Kirby Cropper I'm Camel Mac. One forest green shirt, one pair of black jeans, one pair of black Chelsea boots, one mini disc player, six discs, one Nokia mobile phone. Three items of jewellery. Just sign there for me, please.